Hello and welcome to the Bristol to Beijing podcast. I'm Luke Grenfell-Shaw and I'm cycling from Bristol to Beijing on my tandem Chris. I left Bristol in January 2020 and it's fair to say it hasn't been straightforward so far. As I continue my expedition, I want to share the journey with you. And each episode, I'll be sharing my thoughts and experiences from the past week on the road. And occasionally, I'll also be chatting with someone who can shed some light on the countryman in as I try and understand the world a little better. So, without further ado, what's happened this past week? It's been a little while since the last update from me, and I'd like to say hello to everyone from Terminal 3 of Dubai Airport. In front of me is an amber glass of whiskey. In fact, it's my third glass of whiskey. And a liquid brown dark cup of coffee. That is, I think, I have lost count, my sixth double espresso. Hopefully by the end of this story, you will agree with me that these are not only justified, but entirely necessary. Um, So without further ado, I want to tell you about really what happened to me only about eight or nine hours ago as I was leaving Dushanbe. Now, over the past two weeks, I cycled across the Pamir Highway through the eastern part of Tajikistan across mountain passes that were 4,600 meters, and I ended up in Horog. Now, from Horog, I took a 13 hour journey along the border with Afghanistan uh, in, a, in a jeep with Chris bouncing along the top of this jeep. Thankfully, he got through unharmed. Uh, and I should say that everything on the Afghan side looked very normal, very peaceful. I was there in that region two years before. It looked exactly the same. Appearances can certainly be deceiving, but it seemed bucolic to me. Very beautiful, pretty villages um, with lots of green, lush trees and little farm farmland. Anyway, I um, I'm currently en route to the United Kingdom for a break from the road. It's been a year, a long time on the road, and I want to reconnect with my friends, my family, with loved ones, and recharge my batteries. And for various different reasons, I had to bounce through Dushanbe, and I had just one day there to get a COVID test and to pack Chris up and all my bags. And this morning, in fact, I had my flight which was due to leave at 4.25 in the morning and as you can hear because we're in Dubai airport there is the call to prayer at 12.20 just after lunch Um, so I hope you enjoy that in the background I managed to pack up Chris but with quite some difficulty As you all know, Chris is quite the beast of a bike. Chris is much longer than most bikes, and I have a lot of stuff with me. However, I was staying at the Greenhouse Hostel, and this is like the mecca of 
bike packing hostels in Tajikistan and they had an enormous bike box that was basically ready-made for Chris. That said, it still took me almost five hours to get Chris, the trailer and all the bags in a fashion together that could be sent on a plane. And this just for just to imagine what I was doing. I had to, first of all, take off the wheels, I had to take off the mud guards, I had to take off the pannier racks. I then found that the bike was still too long and too wide. I had to take off the front forks, I had to take off the handlebars, I had to take off the saddle, I had to take off the rear handlebars for the rear rider. Literally everything came off Chris. And I stuffed all of this in this enormous cardboard box and taped it shut uh, with, with a lot of tape. And everything else went in the yellow trailer bag. So all the panniers, all the camping stuff went in there. And I got a couple of hours sleep because my flight was leaving at 4.25 in the morning. So I left the hostel at about 2 a.m. And this is where the problems began. The road to the airport should be about three or four kilometers, a very quick journey. However, because on the 9th of September, Tajikistan is celebrating its end of civil war day, which uh, the civil war that really ravaged and split Tajikistan apart, um, ended in 1995 and uh, lots of construction works new apartment blocks that have been built finished for the 9th of September and I think it was something to do with that that the road was also closed there was a trolley bus just blocking the lanes going right across the lanes and so we had to take a detour it meant that we got to the airport a bit later than I'd hoped and clearly I'd prioritise sleep over getting to the airport in plenty of time. So, you know, when I got there, there was still, you know, just about two hours before the flight. Now, when I tried to take the bike box into the airport, I ran into a problem. See, there was one of these big airport scanners at the very entrance of the airport. But with this gargantuan-sized box that was about as long as I am tall and coming up to my nipples, it wouldn't actually fit through the airport scanner. Not a great start. So I had to wait for some minutes as someone from the depths of the airport had to come out and look at the box. And that's literally what he did. He waited for about 10 minutes for some guy. And I, during this time, I'm like, oh, I... You know, there could be problems ahead. I need every minute that I can. And now I'm just waiting. And eventually this guy comes. He takes one look at the box. He's like, what's in it? It's a bicycle. He's like, oh, I'll just bring it through. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. So bring it through to check in. And I'm already a little bit on edge at this point. And I get to the check-in desk. And the guy says, well, you know, let's put it on the scales. It's clearly clearly a bit out of the ordinary, put it on the scales, the main bike box, it's 40 
five kilos. There's a bit of pause. And the guy, Farouk, isn't really sure what to do at this point. He's like, well, that is more than the baggage allowance. He's like, yeah, I know. Um, what can we do? Anyway, this starts off Farouk phoning his colleagues, I think in Dubai, Fly Dubai, Emirates, who are flying with both for different legs. And the bit of the problem is that it's also just an incredibly crowded check-in desk. The Tajik football team has rocked up and is is getting checked in as well. That said, I think it might have been like the under-20s or something, and some of them didn't look in like superb, like lean footballer shape, so I'm not quite sure what was going on, but they said they were the Tajik football team, so there we go. They were there, and you know, by this point, there's probably about an hour and 15 minutes before the flight is going to depart because I've been waiting, Farouk is dealing with the football team, he's dealing with someone else, he's waiting for a call back from his colleagues in Dubai, I'm trying to be sort of assertive but also kind of polite and I'm just watching the time tick down and down and I'm like well can the bike go like this, can it not and eventually I kind of say Farouk well what's going on and he calls the colleagues again, he gets some sort of answer out and he starts putting some numbers through the system and he says well Luke the 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 bike um, you can take it on it's going to cost you $880 and it's like and you know it's going to need to be in Simone as well it's like, do you think I just happen to carry around $880 worth of Tajik Simone when I'm leaving the country, what do I do now? And at this point I'm thinking, am I actually going to be able to get Chris out of the country? I don't have $880 on me. And Farouk suggests that you know, maybe I can start sort of taking some of the weight out and putting it in different bags. And so at this point I slash through all of the tape that I've lovingly taped up the bike box with and I take out the wheels, I take out the handlebars, I take out the saddle, I take out the tent and I run over to the departures hall and get the uh, wheels and the tent all wrapped up in some of this cling film stuff and I run back and I stuff other things in the yellow saddle, in the yellow trailer bag and I get the weight of the bike down to 32 kilos and all of this time Farouk is dealing with other problems I should say Farouk was really trying to help he was really trying to help everyone he was trying to do things properly and by the book and um, I guess sometimes that's quite annoying because it's just like can we can we just make an exception here can I just you know suggest that we just let this one slide but no like Farouk was really trying to do his job well and caring about each each person he was coming into contact with and dealing with. And so eventually Farouk came back and this time there's less than an hour to go before the flight is due to depart. Now in the United Kingdom, check-in desk would have closed. This is what happens. 
in Tajikistan, there were still quite a few people milling about, more people getting checked in. Um, so I was pretty on edge. I'm like, when, when is this all going to get closed down? Am I not even going to be able to board the flight because they'll just close a check-in desk with me and my bike and my bag still on the wrong side of check-in? And probably about 50 or 45 minutes before the flight is to depart, Farouk comes back and he weighs my stuff and puts it through the system. And he's like, Luke, well, that's clearly helped a lot. It's now going to cost you $820. At this point, I pretty much break down. I've got tears in the corners of my eyes. I'm like, I don't have this money. I trying to do everything again. I've just moved all my stuff. This box now weighs like, what, 15, 13 kilos lighter and it it still costs $820. How is this possible? And I was like, Baruch, I'm trying to cycle around the world to show what's possible with a cancer diagnosis. Like, help me. <laughs> it, it was a pretty low moment. And by this point, um, <laughs> I was the only person there. Like everyone else had gone, and Farouk, to his credit, got on the phone and started hammering the guys in Dubai. And he's like putting different options in on the system on the computer screen. And some wizardry or trickery comes up with a new number. And he's has put it through something else. It's no longer oversized baggage or it's no longer sporting equipment or whatever. And he's like, Luke, it's $138. And I will bite your arm off for that offer. And I'm just hand the money over before he has a chance to say something else. And then I have to tape up my boxes again, uh, bite box, and then also my yellow yellow trailer bag which is now overflowing at the seams and it's held together by tape i really hope that when i get to heathrow it's still intact because i don't know i'm in dubai right now and i don't actually know how this story ends so there's a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel Farouk says he still doesn't know whether the bike box will get through the airport scanner so i like rush it over to the airport scanner and this time I tilt it at a bit of an angle and I'm up on the um, on the rollers like carrying the bike box through and then all of a sudden my feet starts like slipping through because these rollers are rolling and I'm almost like falling off onto my back managed to save it and rush the bike through rush my bags through and at this point there's like 10 minutes before the flight is due to depart and I'm like I don't think they'll leave without me, but what happens if just someone presses the all clear button and they just go? And Farouk's like, good luck and run. I run up to passport control and I ask to get to the front of the queue. And the passport control guy, he asks my passport, my visa, he kind of looks at them. And I also give him the little slip of paper I was given when I crossed into Tajikistan which basically just says not very much. And he's like, where's where's your police registration card? Oh, I don't have one. This is all I was given. 
He's like, well, where, where are the stamps on the back of this slip of paper? He's like, well, there aren't any. No one stamped it. And I'm looking at my watch and it's like five minutes before the plane is about to go. And this guy's just like, no, 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 no. He calls another guy through. And they have a chummy old conversation. He's like, oh, where did you serve? Oh, well, it's on the border here. And, you know, what, what do you do now? And, oh, they had a great old time. And I'm just like watching the seconds tick down and thinking this plane might depart. And eventually this guy goes through and the border guard sort of just like looks at me. And clearly I'm not playing the game very well because I've missed the cue that I was supposed to give him some money. I think and he kind of gives me a long look and then just like stamps the passport stamps the visa and lets me go through and I run through the final security check-in even managing to get my water bottle full of water and my pen knife through which is a little bit worrying but I wasn't complaining and I run <laughs> to the plane and I get on there and I um a little bit of a state but very relieved and so now that i'm here in dubai it's been a bit of a time to refresh and as you know drink whiskey drink coffee and try and recover from what felt like a not quite a near-death experience but the prolonged agony of not knowing if I was going to be able to get Chris back to the UK, whether I was going to be able to get back to the UK, and just a bundle of stress. Now, there are two learning points from this. It's not exactly an escapade, is it? This drama. Now, one of them is something I learned back in 2014 when I was trying to get my bike back from Alexandria. And it was a sort of similar story, but the, the long and short of it is always carry a couple of hundred dollars in the back of your wallet because in an emergency, you will be so glad that you have them. It served me two or three times, not many, but when I've had that money there and I've forgotten all about it, it has literally stopped things from flying off the rails in a catastrophe. It's all relative, but it would have felt like a huge catastrophe at the time. So one piece of advice that I think is really important is always carry $200, never to spend except in an emergency. Now, the second piece of advice, which is admittedly a little bit niche, but particularly if you travel with a bike or anything else that's kind of quite cumbersome and awkward, is always carry a second roll of tape with you. I had left my roll of tape in the hostel and so when I had slashed open the bike box to get out the wheels, get out the saddle, get out the handlebars, I had no way of sealing the bike box back up again. Except I'd done this before and I'd bought a second roll of tape with me, hashtag smug moment, and so I could tape up the box again. So those are my two pieces of advice when traveling, particularly in airports. Bring extra dollars and bring a roll of
Sesimin değil 